Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. You are listening to the Build Your Network podcast. If you're tired of the old way of networking, the business cards, the awkward conversations, and the aggressive pitches, but you know how crucial your network is to your success in life, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Build Your Network, the only top-rated show committed to helping you master content networking, foster real relationships, increase your authority, and build the network of your dreams. Listen in on conversations with world-class entrepreneurs, authors, thought leaders, and more as we deconstruct their best strategies for your success. So get ready to burn your business cards, ditch the name tag, and discover the new way to network with your host, Travis Chappell. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Build Your Network podcast. Steven, thank you so much for joining me on today's show. Thank you so much for having me. It's good to chat with you again. Yeah. When we first connected and I found out what it is you do, uh, I was my mind was kind of blown. Because uh, I think if you looked in the dictionary at like niche, your name would be right there, like one <laughs> or two lines in. Before we dive into that, though, I want to talk a little bit about you know your original path. Everybody has that thing. They go like, this is going to be my journey. This is going to be my path. This is what I envision for my life. When you look back, you know, early childhood, maybe high school years, what did you envision for yourself career-wise looking into the future? I don't know if I had a vision for myself. I, I think that I thought that I had to choose the least bad option that was kind of handed to me. You know, like you go through school, you go through high school and college, and I gravitated towards engineering and did a, did a degree in material science engineering because that seemed like the best fit within like the standard framework of, you know, college education, an obvious career path, etc. I wasn't exposed to other options really as a kid. I didn't know that you could, you know, create your own thing and kind of get outside the box or I wasn't 
Yeah, I don't know. That that all came later. That came in my 20s. But um, I kind of fell into that path because I was good at math when I was in high school. Didn't know what else to do. I liked building things. I liked Legos as a kid and stuff like that. So engineering kind of made sense, but it never felt quite right, actually. I was always just kind of like, this is good enough. This kind of suits my personality and my skill set and my inclinations. And it it allows me to do the things that I like to do on the side. Like my dad was an attorney and he always just, his, you know, his idea for his life and raising a family was just to make enough money to be able to afford to go play on the weekends. But those mm-hmm. two things were very separate. So yeah. I think that's kind of the framework that I inherited and just engineering was was good enough until I realized it wasn't. There's something way better out there for me. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, I, I was looking through your website today, just kind of refreshing myself because I know we we chatted before. And one of the things that uh, I noticed is you mentioned under the books that you love, you talk about Tim Ferriss's Four Hour Work Week. Can you say that's kind of the book that started started it all? And it sounds like you're one of many of thousands that read that book and said like cubicles probably are not for me. You know, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. Uh, was that kind of the biggest catalyst and kind of moving that perspective to saying like, okay, I don't need to do this 40 hour work week. And then, you know, hopefully get to play on the weekends and spend Sunday dreading Monday. Absolutely. I think it was. And even before that book, it was Tim's other book, the four hour body mm-hmm. that really just it was the first time that I read something that forced me to just look really honestly at the self-limiting beliefs I was holding on to about in, in that context, my body type, like my body composition, what I looked like. You know, I tried out this example diet that he lays out in that book and it, it actually worked. It actually, hmm. it actually changed my physiology and how I looked. And it kind of blew my mind. I, I just had been telling myself my whole life that I was built a certain way, that I looked a certain way, and that was just my genetics. And Tim opened me up to this idea that if you change your inputs, you are capable of achieving different outputs. Mm-hmm. And so I actually, I remember I downloaded uh, that audiobook, The 4-Hour Workweek, after that and was completely skeptical. I was not expecting to for it to impact me the way that I, that it did because I thought I was just locked into this engineering career path, you know, and, unless I went back to school and became a teacher to get summers off. I never thought of myself as an entrepreneur and I I was just open-minded enough to try it but not expecting for it to have that impact. Right. But it it really did do the same thing. It, it challenged me to look at my beliefs that I was holding on to about being or not being an entrepreneur, for instance, and realizing that, you know, there's, it, it can be so much simpler than I, I, I guess I always associated entre- entrepreneurship with like tech startups and things like that. Yeah. Right. I, I never thought of it as what is an itch that I want to scratch for myself? What's something that I wish existed that no one else is doing? And that was the realization that, yeah, changed everything eventually. But it, it took time. I had to try a few things and fail at a few things before stumbling into what I'm doing now. Yeah. Well, it's funny because it all kind of goes back to like the diet conversation. You know, it's like your input, you know, becomes your output and the quality of the stuff you're putting in. And I think one of the biggest things from your story thus far is you were changing the input of like what you were being told was possible. Um, I think that's a big first step. You know, I I think about that for me. Like, I, I mean, I spent from the time I was like six, you know, I was running around with a video camera, you know, and so I love doing it, but I always thought, okay, that'll be something fun I can do on the side. 
but what am I going to do for a living? You know, and it's like people were going, you're going to go be a pastor or you're going to go do this. So it's like, what? You know, and you get to a point where it's like you start getting around mentors and people that really start opening your eyes to things like, oh, you can charge for that. That thing you love doing could become a lifestyle that actually pays you. So you, you mentioned trying some things, failing a little bit. Uh, what were some of the first failures that you crossed off the list uh, early on? Yeah, good question. I think I was really hung up on physical products because mm-hmm. I was an engineer. So I just I did so much brainstorming around. I'm a rock climber. I'm a, a totally obsessed rock climber. That's like the foundation of my lifestyle right now. So all my early ideas and brainstorming were centered around that. But I just couldn't really come up with anything that I felt compelled to make. I was just like trying to scheme up something cool that I could get people to want, but it wasn't really a need that I had or that I thought other people had. I did try starting an Amazon business, kind of loosely connected to the outdoors and rock climbing. I was, you know, I tested a bunch of different products and got really deep into Amazon self-label, you know, private labeling blogs and things and sold camping mugs on the internet for a couple of years and still do. I'm having a hard time getting through all my inventory. It worked enough. Like I, you know, I think I'll recoup my investment and kind of break even on that whole project, but it wasn't successful. And, but it, but it was in the sense that it taught me so much. I had no idea that you could start a business from behind your keyboard, you know, like moonlighting it. I had a full time engineering job and was just kind of doing this on the side. And that blew me away. The fact that we have the opportunity to, uh, to delegate and to, you know, partner with people that are really good at doing things and just kind of become the puppeteer that's, that's pulling the strings and building something bigger than ourselves, not having a bunch of inventory in my garage, you know, it, it yeah. was pretty, pretty eye opening. So that was one failure in a way, but I learned a lot from it. And then the other one, and this is really interesting given what I do now, but I started a daily blog and this was inspired by Seth Godin, mm-hmm. um, who's a you know virtual mentor of mine. And I would just write these little, it was called the daily nugget. I would write these little insights or these little nuggets, these little observations of life and of rock climbing and do it every day. I did it uh, five days a week, every Monday through Friday for over a year, wrote a bunch of posts. And I think it's interesting because a lot of them, I think, were insightful and there was value there. I didn't have a network at the time. I didn't know how to leverage you know, other people's credibility and build my own credibility. And so it just I had a few core people, friends of mine and family that would read that and got a lot of value out of it. But it just never grew. And now doing the podcast, it's kind of ironic because now I can write things that are very similar to those blog posts and I have so much more credibility. I can just reach thousands of people with these same little mm. nuggets. But yeah, those are those are two projects that I put a lot of time into, a lot of energy into. They didn't really work, but they totally led me to the podcast idea, which which came later. Yeah. 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 This is how we got connected. I, I mean, I hopped on a call with you talking podcasting and you know, and I asked you what your, your uh, podcast topic was. You're like, oh, it's rock climbing. And when he said that, you know, in my mind, I'm going like, oh, how many listeners does a, uh, you know, a rock climbing podcast get? Which is so dumb because I'm always sitting there going like niche down. I'm always telling people niche down, niche down. And then I hear this like niche. And then I instantly in my head is like a rock climbing podcast. Like, what does that have like two listeners, you know? And then you started telling me kind of the success you're having with it and, and the numbers you're getting. And I was like, oh, this is the real deal. Like this is going really, really well. So 
look, I, like I said, you look in the d- dictionary under niche, like somewhere in there is Stephen Dimmitt, you know, with your podcast. How did you decide to start a podcast and how did you, you know, avoid the mistake of becoming overgeneralized like so many people do? Because there's a lot of people in your position that would go, nobody's going to listen to a rock climbing podcast. I'm going to start a general business podcast, which, mm. you know, we could talk about is probably the worst decision you could have made. But uh, what what kind of started you on that path? Right. There's, yeah, there's so much competition there if you don't have a niche. Yeah. So I was, I was an engineer. I was working in aerospace and I was stuck in a, stuck in a cubicle, but living that lifestyle to, you know, like my dad always did, um, to afford me freedom on the weekends and to, you know, allow me to afford a comfortable lifestyle and afford a gym membership. And I would just train at the rock climbing gym. Um, those are, you know, there is such a thing as a rock climbing gym in most big cities these days. So I would go to the climbing gym, you know, multiple days in the evening or multiple evenings a week and train. And then I would go to Smith Rock. I was living in Oregon at the time. And I would go to Smith Rock State Park and just climb all weekend. And I'm very driven. I'm, I'm very objective focused. Like climbing, climbing is really interesting. I think a lot of people who don't have exposure to it kind of equate it to other adventure sports like you know, snowboarding or skiing or things like that. And in the nice day on the rocks is just a nice day out. But for most climbers, not for all, it's actually much more objective focus because each climbing route has a difficulty associated with it. And it's kind of this accomplishment. So my life of climbing has been collecting these little successes by trying to succeed on all these different routes and, you know, build the experience from each one towards something harder that inspires me. So I was just an obsessed climber and was getting into training and climbing's a relatively new sport. Uh, there's not a ton of training information that's tr- changing very rapidly. But 10 years ago, there was very little on the internet. So I was the guy that was just binge listening to podcasts in my cubicle at my engineering job. And there were maybe two or three climbing podcasts that existed at the time. Never occurred to me to start one. I'm totally introverted and I'm social, but I'm, you know, I like to spend time in the mountains by myself, just out there climbing or with one partner. Never occurred to me to to develop like a radio personality or do something like a podcast, but it really was just scratching my own itch. There was a climbing podcast that combined kind of the self-improvement, the general self-improvement as a human being focus and emphasis with the geeky, detailed, like niched out training details, you know, like, how do I get better at this sport? How do I get my fingers stronger so I can grab onto little tiny holds on the side of a cliff? How do I improve my flexibility? How do I improve my nutrition so I can climb more often? Things like that. But also, I was I was, I was always gravitated towards... I was always interested in very real, authentic conversations on some of these other podcasts that I was listening to outside of climbing because I was an engineer stuck in my cubicle. I really latched on to that for connection. And I just could kind of envision a climbing podcast that combined all of those things into one. And one day, I I think it was actually reading uh, Tim Ferriss's Tools of Titans, uh, which is a book where he basically is like synthesized information from 200 podcast episodes into like this playbook for life. And I was reading that and it just kind of hit me that it would be so helpful and such a valuable tool if that existed, but couched in the context of rock climbing. And kind of in that same moment, I realized, I think I can make that podcast. I think I can make that podcast as research for a book like that. And I don't feel comfortable being, at least at the time, um, being a radio personality and being 
someone who told people what to do, but I was always very curious and I was always very interested in asking the right questions. And I felt like the podcasts I was listening to that were climbing training related, they never quite got to the obvious question that came up to my mind as a performance-oriented rock climber myself. You know, there was always some layer of geekiness that they weren't willing to go to or they would just miss things. You know, I, I would know more about the the guests than the interviewer. And that always annoyed me. So those were some of the the aches and pains that, you know, were were enough to decide to try it. And I had no idea if anyone would listen. I didn't really expect for people to be interested, but I just knew there was a podcast I was dying to listen to that didn't exist. And I mm-hmm. figured I'll try. I'll try to make it. And who knows? It'll be a really fun experience, even if no one listens to it. Was it an instant success or was it something where you dropped those first few episodes and went, I guess this is for me <laughs> because uh, <laughs> no one's tuning in? <laughs> uh, good question. Good question. It's grown steadily. It's it's almost like a linear trajectory from the start. That's not totally true. I think this, the first six months are slow. You know, It takes a while to build traction and to connect with some of those guests that get people's attention. And then, you know, once you get a few big names on your show, it gets easier and easier if you give them a really good experience and, you know, you're interested in them and you ask them thoughtful questions. It gets so much easier to connect with friends of theirs who are also professional climbers. They recommend you to people and things like that. But the the early response was very positive. It was just from a small group of people, you know, like close friends who were also really geeky uh, climbers and I got enough affirmation, I think, to to kind of light the fire. But I'd also saved up money. I saved up money working my engineering job and just decided to treat it like this climbing adventure. I would live on the road for a year and pursue my own climbing. And that was enough to really excite me and, and keep me going. Do the podcast for a year and just see what happened. And maybe just that was it. Maybe one year and then move on to something else. But it just kept growing and growing. And after a year, it was already financially sustainable. You know, I live in a van. I live very simply. And it's grown from there. And now it's just exciting. I have no idea what the potential is of this thing, but I'm. it's the most fun I've ever had in my life building anything. So right. I love it. Yeah. I mean, one of the things you said that really resonated with me was this idea that you'd be listening to a podcast and you'd feel like you knew more about the guests than maybe the interviewer did, or there was a question that you wanted them to ask that you didn't, which number one, I think that speaks again to that entrepreneurial mindset of, you know, uh, I, I need to scratch my own itch. This is a problem that I see, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to solve it. And there's probably someone else in the millions of people in the world, you know, billions of people in the world that feel the same way. But one of the things that you kind of scratch on is, is just knowing your topic, knowing, having an educated conversation with a guest, knowing about the guest. When you sat down to approach interviews, uh, there's a lot of podcasts that listen to the show. When you sat down to approach interviews, what are some of the biggest things that you tried to improve on versus say, you know, the, the typical podcast interview? Like how did you approach that topic specifically? Mm. Early on, one thing I always made um, made a point to do was to listen to other interviews that they had done. And I've kind of gone back and forth. I've actually changed my thinking on this a little bit. But initially, I was just always so annoyed when a new interview with one of my favorite rock climbers just rehashed stuff they've already talked about somewhere else. Because I'd listened to everything, right? Like I just was really interested in, the, in that specific guest. So I tried to do that. I tried to listen to everything. If something was especially interesting, I would I would ask about that again to kind of recapture that on my show. But I would try to cover new ground. 
but then the other thing is just, at least for me, I find that anytime I invest time in getting to know the guest, sometimes if they're a professional climber and they're very busy, that's just from researching them. That's just, you know, one-sided. It's just me watching all their videos and listening to other interviews they've done and things like that. But if I have the opportunity to talk on the phone with them for an hour, like two or three weeks beforehand and get to know them or do a Zoom call or even go climbing with them, like if I'm able to visit the same climbing area and spend a day hanging out with them and climbing if they're up for that, that is huge. You know, it creates this this sense that that we're friends, that, that we're well acquainted, that we have mutual respect. People can really feel that when they're listening. And I think some of my favorite podcast episodes and moments have come from, you know, these little hints, these little clues that you get in those conversations that you can't learn about online, you know, that you can't learn about from their bio. They mention something offhand and you're like, huh, there's a story there. I can feel it. And you just write down some obscure little three word thing that that reminds you to prompt them. And I think people can really feel curiosity. That's another thing. Like I, I don't try to force my guests to talk about specific things. I just want to really try to extract what's most interesting about that specific person. So I kind of tailor my interview and my outline to that person. You know, I don't worry about sticking to training for climbing if they're not really, if they're someone that doesn't think about training for climbing and they don't geek out and spend time in the gym, why would I ask them about that? You know, I'm, I'm going to focus on their storytelling and their crazy stories of adventure or, Um, You know, if someone's really introspective and is very interested in self-improvement beyond just climbing and has worked on becoming a better person, that's relevant to everybody. I'm very interested in asking about that. So I think what I try to do is just get to know them a little bit and then tailor the conversation to their personality, what I think they'd be best able to speak to. Some people are very factual. Some people are very expressive and emotional. You know, like you want to have a different kind of interview for those two different types of people. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a, a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent 
fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. 100%. You know, when it comes to the, the conversation, obviously this is the Build Your Network podcast. Um, and so so much of what you're talking about is relationships, uh, building connections with people, especially when you're interviewing. You know, like I said, there's a lot of people that are podcasters that listen to this show. Like, building some knowledge of who that person is, is going to help you in your reach out. It's going to help you in that conversation. You mentioned that you're very introverted. Obviously you're a, I mean, you're a guy that lives in a van out in the wilderness most of the time. So you've got to be, I, for me, that would be torture. I, I, I'm fueled off the souls of other people, uh, like some kind of strange vampire. Um, So to be out by myself would be, would be a very different experience. So from your perspective, for, from that introverted aspect, you know, how do you prioritize networking? How do you prioritize, you know, stepping outside that comfort zone, reaching out to people, uh, obviously trying to land guests on your show or trying to have those conversations with people? You know, what are some of the things that you do to kind of make that a, a priority? Yeah, good question. And I should clarify, like, I, I feel like the introverted, extroverted boxes don't totally capture the whole spectrum. Like, that can just be a, not a silly binary for sure. Right, yeah. exactly. I'm, I'm like a strange mix of both. I really need a lot of alone time and I really enjoy alone time and I recharge that way. But I also, I'm incredibly filled from deeper conversations with one person or a small group of people. I, I really love that. You know, throw me in like a big social gathering and I get emotionally exhausted very quickly yeah. and I need to kind of run away from that. But I do get a lot of energy, I think, from the podcast because there's anytime you talk with someone and bring a lot of intention to that conversation, that seems to be the difference. Like that really fills me up versus just shooting the shit and just kind of, you know, chatting doesn't really do much for me. That kind of mm -hmm. slowly, you know, drains my emotional tank, energy tank, I guess, so to speak. But to answer your question, and it's getting easier, but I just really tried to make sure that I got uncomfortable at least once every single week. Mm. Built into my commitment to grow this podcast and just do my best with it was, I mean, I have to do an interview every week because I put out an episode every single Monday. But then even more uncomfortable than that often is like the cold call or the reach out or the, the vulnerability of just, you know, putting yourself out there and potentially getting shut down. But one thing that really helped was just making a massive list of interviews, like interesting people that I'd love to talk to oh. and realizing that if, you know, one out of every five of these people or one out of every two of these people shuts me down, then that's okay. I'll just keep working through the list. Maybe it's not the right time for them and mm -hmm. I can circle back when the time's right. Yeah. Yeah. Not taking it personally is huge, yeah, uh, especially, exactly. especially reaching out to people who are professional rock climbers or they're actors or they're CEOs, like nine times... Almost 10 times out of 10, it's not you. <laughs> like it's the schedule. Or if it is you, like you're going to be a better version of you in a year of doing this and you're going to be able to reach out with a stronger reach out. And so mm. that, that's such a great mindset to have uh, related to that. I, I'm curious, we ask everybody, you know, do you believe who you know or what you know is more important and why? Obviously, the conversation you've had with people, the connections you've had have helped increase the success of your show and of your business. But uh, which of those things would you say is the most important? Is it is it your personal knowledge or is it your network? Oh, it's absolutely it's absolutely my network. Like the podcast growth for me 
has absolutely been leveraging the fame of these rock climbers who are, you know, way better than I am. (laughs) I'm just, I'm just the guy, my job is to make them as interesting as possible. I mean, these are incredibly interesting people, but only if you ask them the right questions. So my job Mm. is to show my listeners just how incredible they are, how complex they are, that they're way more similar to you than you realize because they've had a lot of the same insecurities or failures or struggles in or whatever, you know, it's not always the highlight reel that we see in these climbing videos and things. That's my job. And I think there's um, kind of returning to the previous point, this just popped into my mind. There's like a healthy, there's like an um, amount of imposter syndrome that I think is really healthy. You know, like at first I was just blown away that anyone would say yes to doing this podcast thing. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really good, you know, kind of staying grounded in that. And I still feel that like anytime I connect with a really big guest who's, you know, someone I've had a poster of on my wall, that blows me away. It still blows me away. I just feel like totally honored and and privileged when someone like that would give me their time. And I think that makes for a better episode too, is having that appreciation and respect of this person's time. Like it's so special that I get to spend two hours with them. I'm going to prepare for that really well so I can ask them all the most interesting questions I can think of. Yeah, well, that, that gratefulness comes through in that preparation. You know, like it's astounding to me. I've been on some podcasts, you know, and you'll you'll go on the show and I'm, I'm not a celebrity, uh, but I'll, you know, agree to go on a show. And, you know, when the first question from the host before we hit record is, so what do you do again? <laughs> it's like, bro, <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, I mean, if we don't know that, like we've got nowhere to go from here. You know, but I think that respect and admiration does come through. Like, you don't want to be a raving fan um, in the podcast and just be gushing over them the whole time. But I think it right. says a lot when you can say, hey, I know this about your story. Tell me a little bit more about that. Like, the fact that you know that tidbit about them tells them that you've done baseline research, which such like it's unfortunate, but that alone sets you apart from 90% of interviewers out there. It's such a, it's such a massive thing that builds credibility really quickly. I'm so fascinated by that. I really felt that uh, as a podcast listener before I ever considered starting my own. And, and even now, like I, I'm actually very confused as to why the bar is still so low. And yeah. I think it's, it's an encouraging message for people listening. Like you can do better than most of the ones out there, both with audio quality. That is a huge pet peeve of mine. It drives me crazy when it's hard to understand a conversation. You know, in, yeah. today's, in today's age with technology and things, it's so easy to at least make it listenable. Like, you know, yeah. please just do that. And then, yeah, like this is a fascinating human being that you can absolutely learn from um, that you're talking to. And everyone is interesting if you ask them the right questions. But yeah, that's on the that's on the host. That's on the interviewer. Yeah, love that. Yeah, everyone's interesting if you ask the right questions. That's, that's awesome. Well, look, I mean, I guess it's fitting if we end on a cliffhanger here. But uh, so I've been waiting to drop that joke all day long. But I'm going to go ahead and move us here into our uh, random round. Let us get to know you just a little bit more before we end the episode. First of all, what profession other than your own do you think would be fun to attempt? Oh, I would totally pursue music, like music production, being an artist myself. I actually did a Bachelor of Arts in Music along with my engineering degree. And then throughout college, I was just kind of obsessing more and more with rock climbing. And that was kind of my fork in the road, like leaving music behind to some degree to pursue Mm. this other thing. But I miss it sometimes. Yeah. And I, I mean, 
it's just amazing these days what you can do. I love uh, Billie Eilish and her brother mm-hmm. Phineas and yeah. what he does. I mean, just what he's created from his bedroom with a MacBook and Logic Pro is just so, so cool to me. So I still feel like there's maybe like a decade long career somewhere in my future where I circle back to that and, and do a deep dive. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you could sit on a park bench with somebody past or present and talk to them for an hour, who would it be and why? Oh, that's really tough. Uh, I can think of two. I'll give you two. I think Seth Godin and or Jim Collins. Those are mm-hmm. two kind of virtual mentors of mine who've had a huge influence on me. They don't know that. They've, you know, I've never met either of them. But yeah, I feel like those two people have really challenged me to look look at myself differently, look deeper into myself to realize that I, you know, as an introvert, I do have a voice. As an engineer, I do have uh, playfulness and creativity, and I can have you know in-depth, insightful, like emotional conversations with people that aren't the robotic, engineering-minded, you know, conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- those two people, those two men have had an, uh, an immense impact on my life. Yeah, you've mentioned a few authors. How do you how do you like learning best? Is it books? Is it audio books? Blogs? What's your what's your favorite way to learn? I usually start with podcasts. I listen to a lot of podcasts, and then if a guest like Seth Godin or Jim Collins, you know, I've, I've really enjoyed some of their episodes, um, their interviews. If something like that catches my attention, I'll just do a deep dive on that person, and that'll lead me to their books. And um, I have a Kindle. I love reading on a Kindle. Although I usually save reading, like actually reading, uh, sitting down with a Kindle for um, fiction. And I, I, I use that to kind of turn my brain off. So I listen to a lot of audiobooks. It's usually audio. I go on a long walk or um, I always listen to something while I'm cooking meals. Yeah. Podcasts and audiobooks are, are the top ones. I got, I got to ask, when you're climbing, do you listen to anything or do you keep it dead silent? Usually not. If I'm outside, usually it's just totally quiet. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Some people do. Some people wear headphones or in the gym, I'll totally blast, um, you know, hip hop or something like that. But yeah. Is, is that part of the experience of climbing is like just the natural ambient noise for you or is it a focus thing or for me it is. Yeah. I, I love that. You just, you know, climbing like so many other outdoor activities, it forces you to be present. I think that's the thing I appreciated about it most. Like it demands so much of your attention you can't really be thinking about anything else. And there's something about being connected to the side of a rock, the the visceral connection, like feeling the texture of the rock under your fingertips, feeling the breeze. It's very primal. It's it's really this amazing kind of like reconnecting with some part of ourselves that I think is so often lost in this day and age. So everyone's different. Some people wear headphones or bring, you know, a little speaker to the, to the crags and stuff, but I love it when I'm up high on something and it's just dead quiet and you can hear your own breathing and yeah, it's, it's great. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, give me a glimpse of your morning routine. What does that look like for you? Uh, I've been sleeping in lately. I might, my, I don't know why, but my schedule seems to be shifting later and later. So I try to never set an alarm, which is one of the things I'm most grateful for in my life. I love to just wake up when I wake up. So yeah, I sleep in. And then first thing, uh, I make my coffee and drink on, drink, you know, sip my coffee while I'm making breakfast. I'm here in my van. And usually I wake up in my van and just fire up the coffee pot right away. Uh, and then I kind of, you know, I might do some stretching or some kind of general warming up for my climbing day. If it's a climbing day, if it's not, then I like to go on a long walk 
and then come back and just kind of get right to work, you know, get my laptop out and start working on a podcast episode. Gotcha. Gotcha. What is your go-to pump up song? Oh, that's tough. I don't know if I can think of a specific one right now. It's it's definitely hip hop though. Hmm. I'll give yeah. I'll give you one. This is one that I would use a lot when I was still living in Bend and was training in the gym a lot. There's a song called The King by T.I. Hmm. from his Urban Legend album that every time I put that on, it just like I'm just like psyched to train and try hard. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. How psyched are you for the uh, Super Bowl halftime show next month? It's gonna be it's pretty, not. Uh, it's- not even on my radar, but um, oh man, have you watched but, the trailer for it? No, I haven't. I haven't. It's, uh, it's Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Mary J. Blige, uh, but the the commercial for it, Eminem. It's a wild lineup, and the the commercial for it alone, I've watched like four or five times. I'm like, I'm pumped. I'm a huge hip hop fan. Yeah, I'm I'm super hyped for that. I don't care about super, uh, super Bowl at all, but I'm same. Be yeah, halftime show for sure. But cool. uh, yeah, what's something that you're not very good at? Oh man, so many things. I'm someone who has a hard time embracing the fact that I, what am I trying to say here? I think I experienced like the FOMO thing pretty strong. And that's something I'm always working on for myself. Like it's okay. You know, I've chosen this lifestyle of climbing. I love it. There's so much growth to be had with the things that I love doing and get to do every day. But, you know, like I, I think about the music thing all the time, like, man, I wish I had more time for that. I've let that slip. Like I'm not very, I'm pretty rusty with, with my instruments and things. Yeah. Something I'm not very good at. I'm not very good at turning my brain off. Yeah. That's something I'm working on right now is like kind of the yin and yang. Like I have this fast spinning productivity thing all the time and it, it expresses itself in my climbing. Like I want to complete this route and move on to the next one so I can move on to the next one. And it's just a double-edged sword. Like it's what has allowed me to grow this podcast and get it to a point where it's sustaining my dream life. But yeah, I can totally just spin my wheels in the mud and get stressed and feel like I'm almost, you know, living in the Groundhog's Day of finals week. Like every week I'm like, oh, I got to get this episode done for Monday and, yeah. you know, take a deep exhale and just stop looking at your damn phone before you go to bed and things like that. Like the simple stuff is kind of what I always need to work on. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, last question here. Where is the best place for people to connect with you on social media? If they want to follow your journey, if they want to see what you're up to, where are the best places for people to connect with you? Yeah, I'm most active on Instagram and I have two accounts. I have one for the Nugget Climbing Podcast. That's at the Nugget Climbing. And then my personal one is at Stephen Dimmitt. And I don't do much with that one. I, I basically just share videos of my own climbing. <laughs> I just right. put up, a, you know, set up a camera when I'm, when I'm out there climbing and post some stuff. So if people want to see, you know, what I get up to during the day, that's a great one. And then the website, thenuggetclimbing.com. That's the website for the podcast. You can learn more about me. Um, I recently posted a video tour of my van. If you want to check out kind of how I live my day-to-day life. That That's a good place to start. Cool. cool. Well, thank you so much, Stephen, for, for jumping on and for having this conversation. And really, I mean, I'm just fascinated by your journey. And and like I said, there's, there's riches and niches for sure. I think you kind of exemplify that. Uh, but thanks again for coming on and, uh, and look forward to seeing what you do next. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. That's it for this episode. If you want to connect with Travis and other like-minded people who also listen to the show, then you're going to want to head over to travischapel.com slash group to join his free Facebook group, Podcast to Profit. Travis will see you there. And remember to leave every relationship better than you found it.
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.